0: you're listening to the coffee podcast where our focus is people and our language is coffee this conversation is a living continuum that includes every link of the coffee value chain from before the seed to after the cup Welcome back to another episode of The Coffee Podcast. If you've been caught up with our episodes, you probably noticed we've been on a bit of a hiatus because it is the season, it's the holidays, and uh, there's a lot going on over here. So thanks for your patience as we have not been releasing every week. And in fact, we only have two episodes for December, but don't worry, it's a double feature and we think you're going to love it. Before we dive into our double feature, I'd like to thank all of our listeners because we've been nominated for a Sprudgy Award under the podcast nominee thing. So thanks for uh, supporting us. If you want to support us further, you can go to Sprudge.com and vote for the Coffee Podcast under the podcast section. Thanks, y'all. But let's get to the episode. We have listeners from all walks of coffee. We have listeners who are purely homebrewers and listeners who are baristas. We have listeners who just got into coffee and listeners who have been in coffee for 20 plus years. You may or may not have heard of a world barista champion. You may not even know what it means to compete in a world barista championship, but we are very lucky to have our guest today be the 2017 world barista champion, Dale Harris. Dale is going to talk us through What his experiences were behind the world championship were like. Dale is no foreigner to the competition world and he's been competing for almost a decade. He has a lot to offer us and a lot of insight not just on what it means to compete or how to compete but also he has a great window into great customer service and how to communicate. This wonderful coffee that we all love so much. So without further ado, this is part one of our interview with Dale Harris.
1: So my name is Dale Harris. Uh, I am generally from day to day, I am the director of wholesale for a micro roster in the UK called Has Been Coffee. Uh, I've been in that role for seven years now. Uh, and I've been involved in a few other projects uh, around the sides of that. So I've helped Steve uh, and Jen, my partner with Tampa Tantrum. Uh, with Pete Williams, who I'm sure we will talk about later. Uh, I set up a small pop-up bar called Hand uh, in Central London, and now I'm doing a few little projects under something called Place Coffee. But uh, sure. most, <laughs>
0: <laughs> a few so, things, but... just a few.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, always, there's always something on, and now uh, <laughs> I reached international fame through uh, winning the World Barista Championship.
0: Well, you know, uh congratulations on that. We will definitely jump into that here in a moment, but you know, you're much more than a world ch- uh, world to champion. Well, let's get to know you just a little bit. So, okay. uh from fashion to coffee. Uh you you moved from fashion to coffee. That's why I said that, I suppose. What <laughs> <laughs> what did your career change look like and how did coffee captivate you in the early days of your coffee career?
1: So, I mean, I, I was fairly young. Uh, at college, I studied history, and from that, because of where I lived, which is a really small town, uh, I moved into a job working in a shop selling clothes. Uh, and, I, you know, I talk about it as fashion, but we're talking kind of high street clothes, jeans and shirts. Um, and I was pretty good at it, and I advanced for a little while, and I enjoyed myself. Uh, and mostly it was about understanding a brand and uh, teaching other people how to sell things effectively or present uh, retail sites effectively, uh, all things that I enjoyed doing. But then that business or the, the part of the business that I was a part of came to an end um, for financial reasons. So I went and looked for a similar job in the same industry and started working for a brand called Billabong, a uh, surfwear brand. Yeah. Uh, that that didn't work out for me. I. I realized that I hated working with things that it, I don't want to say I don't understand, but that I didn't have an emotional relationship with. So i never really surfed. Uh, I yeah, liked I the idea say. of
0: people hanging on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a surfing brand. Was just, that was my next question.
1: Yeah. So uh, it used to be like a, like a high street brand, went to surf realized that it wasn't just that I didn't know anything about it. It was that I wasn't engaged by it. I didn't, I, I couldn't find that attachment to it. And without without that love for something, I found that I was not very good at the job. Uh, and along with a lot of the people that I've worked with, I found that if you're not passionate about what you're doing, it becomes a slog. And then everything in life becomes more difficult. So I was really searching for something that, that I could fall in love with again. And at the time, uh, I had... My coffee consumption had developed over maybe, you know, five, ten years from drinking terrible kind of percolated coffee to drinking lattes at Starbucks to beginning to to understand small steps within espresso. You know, making espresso at home, understanding you can control it, uh, being vaguely aware of this idea that there's something better out there. Mm. Um, and also I was reading a lot about coffee. So reading a lot about you know, the history of coffee and the, uh, the way it connects different countries, and I found all of that really engaging. It became, as a hobby, it became a large part of my life and it very easily tipped over into becoming, well, that's that's where I'm gonna push my career. So I, so I left retail and started moving into making coffee for a chain, you know, wiping tables, working bar, and over the course of a couple of years, went into kind of managing stores for them and then then moving onwards
0: got you so was there was there one moment with coffee that you had that sort of it was your conversion moment into the industry or do you think it was kind of just a something over time it's it sounds like it may have just occurred over time but was there any moment that you can remember that you're like wow this industry is really amazing or wow coffee's really really grabbed my attention here
1: i, I think there were there were a lot of a lot of little steps but there were one or two more significant ones I think I mean the initial idea when I decided I was going to move into coffee was I was going to run my own store run my own shop uh, I was going to be you know uh, a, a space that included music or live music and you know maybe alcohol and all these different ideas that later as I've worked looking after other people setting up cafes, I realized that almost everybody has these kind of ideas. You know, we're going to set up a cafe. It's going to be a nice little space for, for my hobbies and my things, and people like me will come to it. Uh, as I was kind of researching that, I got in touch with a local coffee company, a local supplier, and I went down and I tasted coffee with them, and I think that was the first time that I saw, you know, latte art being poured in front of me. Uh there's a guy called Ed Buston who uh later was the UK Coffee and Good Spirits champion and or, or had been previously. Um but seeing somebody, I think, exhibit their level of skill and control uh helped me realise that oh there's more to this. This is something that you can you can do interesting things with. And then, you know, having seen it once and not being exposed to it often, uh, because I was living in a really, you know, small rural place. Uh, once I'd seen that and knowing that it was there, but couldn't quite see how to do it myself, that kept me going for a long while, developing my skills and trying to be exposed to to more things like that.
0: Got gotcha. you. And y- you know, y- you competed uh, for nine years. Uh, I want to start moving into sort of our main topic here, which I think is an obvious one. Um. But do you have any stories of best moments during those nine years or or any any bloopers in those nine years that you would like to talk about on the show here? (laughs) (laughs) That's the the defining thing,
1: the ones I'd like to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) Good. (laughs) You know, I think over anyone who's competed at all, be it at, you know, one regional or, you know, in a national competition, the experience of preparing for competition is always you know a journey with ups and downs, and it doesn't matter what your skill level is or your experience, there are always these things that kind of uh let's say haunt you through <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> right oh, you're from. Uh, like the the first few competitions I competed for were actually fairly smooth in terms of preparation and felt really easy, and it's only that you, you look back at them. Uh, from a new perspective and you realize you were kind of crazy doing these things. I think that you were capable of doing those things. So, you know, the first, the first year I competed, I used a super, you know, traditional Italian espresso blend. It was very dark. I think it may have had robusta in it, but (laughs) possibly not. (laughs) (laughs) But at that point it was, it was mostly about, you know, here is a, here's a thing that goes on in the community and there's an opportunity there for me to develop my skill or meet people who are, who are also excited about coffee. And in terms of best moments, uh, some of the people I met in that very first competition in the, the weeks we were preparing and I was talking to, you know, a couple other competitors on Facebook who, uh, who were going to compete in a regional and a year's competition. Um, People like, uh, John Gordon, who later became a UK champion for a few years, that lives uh, in New Zealand. Uh, Estelle uh, Estelle Bright, who works for a uh, the UK, is uh, one of their after-sales, uh, or in fact, in charge of their after-sales across the whole country. Um, and these are people who, you know, were were either working bar at kind of events or in little isolated coffee shops, but their competition brought us together. And nine nine years later, I can find them all across the world hmm. also developed because of these experiences. Um, and you know, every year you make a few more friends, you build a slightly stronger, you build your connection to that community a little bit more strongly. Uh, and that gives you the opportunities to learn be it through the competition or be it, you know, outside of that field. Um, like in terms of, in terms of bloopers, like most of them are very boring and technical. Most most of the things <laughs> I know I did wrong. Maybe other people don't know that I did wrong.
0: Right. I don't a... want to raise
1: too much attention. To <laughs> but I've I've had my fair share of you know mistakes that I made without the help or fault of anyone else.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you sure.
1: get up. You get up to that stage, and uh, yeah, things go wrong sometimes.
0: Well, you know, I, I, maybe that's part of the presentation—is how well do you? smoothly move on from a mistake you know if it's not noticed yeah. Then,
1: then yeah like i th- i think it's less about your ability to, to avoid mistakes and it's it's more about your ability to overcome them you know and if you yeah. can if you can have that freedom or or enough you know confidence or or reliance in your own abilities that you know this went wrong but i'm making coffee here this way and i can catch up or i can fix this and i can deliver a thing that's that holds you in a good step, particularly as most um most competitions will involve, you know, two or three performances of the same thing. And each one ends up being slightly different, be it because of mistakes or just difference in context or coffee gotcha. or whatever.
0: So as I mentioned, you're no stranger to competition, even almost a decade of competing under your belt, which is I think that's wildly impressive, considering I've never competed, so uh, you didn't compete in 2013 though, and you said in an interview with Barista Magazine that competing was sometimes demoralizing. What was 2013 like for you and how do you think it contributed to your win this year? So
1: I think for me, competition that year or the, or the year before was was demoralizing. I'd I'd spent a few years going through this routine of you know, having an idea, uh, vaguely knowing when the competition would happen and beginning to piece those things together and beginning your preparation time and uh, getting your slot, you know, what your regional is or whatever. And, and each year, regardless of what the actual position was, I felt that I was progressing. So I went from, you know, the first year I, I did what I would now regard as a terribly kind of, hokey but fun regional performance that i then i had some feedback on i kind of immersed myself in the the competition and understood where i could improve so come the finals it was a much more polished thing but maybe beyond my beyond my my level of competency at that point so so i felt that i progressed didn't quite you know change the world but but i i changed my perspective on coffee and then the next year you know i had a year to think about it i was I was able to use that perspective to learn lessons. So when the, when the competition came around again, it was a, it was a much more, uh, a performance was much more in keeping with what was required or desired, uh, of the competition. Um, it came second that year, which was probably again, beyond, beyond what I deserve. It was a, you know, it was a fun and exciting experience and mm-hmm. helped me build this idea that I, that I had that potentially, that, you know, if you put the work in, you can achieve, um, so the year after I made, you know, big, uh, big changes to where I worked so that I could be in contact with better coffee, working really closely with people who, who knew more about the competition, working really hard. And I thought I presented something better. I, I was beginning to present my own ideas and I think I placed maybe third that year. And then the following year, again, I kind of grew and, and I was really excited about something and I presented a performance. And in the UK, we have uh, we have a semifinals where you have, depending on the year, between you know, 16, 20 people competing. And then the next day, the, the top scoring six go through. And at that time, there were kind of, you know, people were saying, you know, maybe it's your year. And there was a rumor that maybe I, I'd scored or I later found out that I'd scored the highest on that semifinals day mm-hmm. and then the next day i kind of bombed out and placed fifth and gotcha. it took a while to work out why that was and it's like if i'm honest it took a couple of years to to be able to look back at that with the right perspective and understand that
0: mm.
1: it was you not that it wasn't anybody's Except mine, but that wasn't a problem with judging. And you yeah. know, if you don't taste the coffee, if you don't go through some of these steps, you really don't know what you're delivering. Um, so, it, so it was not just like uh, an edu- educational process in terms of the competition, but it was a, an emotionally educative experience. Like I, I had to yeah. learn to to develop some distance from it. Um, you said you said that you hadn't competed before and why why is that why 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 is competition not attractive to you and this isn't a test i just i'm interested
0: yeah. oh this might be the first time i got asked a question on the show <laughs> <laughs> no it's not true um why haven't i competed you know I, I actually told my wife this year i was like after actually watching your performance i was like man this would be this would be fun and um because, you know, I have some ideas. So why haven't yeah. I competed? I think it's a matter of, I, I think competition where I live is not like a, it's not really um, like a big deal where I live. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't think it's valued in the way that maybe it might be valued in your neighborhood. Um, and and I, I see that changing, but I just think that it's never been emphasized Uh, here so I, I think that's the main reason but as I you know as I get more plugged into everything going on in coffee I definitely have thought about it so
1: well so I think when I first started competing I had real direction with what I was doing and there was real clear growth so it was a really exciting thing and there were people around me who you know who spoke about this as you know this this is something that coffee people who are developing want to do and that became an attractive notion. And part of that, you know, fell into ideas of, uh, James Hoffman. Uh, when I first started working in coffee, he had just won the world championship. Right there was conversation about it. There's, there's, lots of visibility in the UK of that and what I'm watching the businesses he created and, um, the things he was doing after that always, uh, that sat on a podium. That, that that was that was something that amazing coffee people do. Right. So, as I got towards that 2013 performance, I think I got more and more caught up in the idea of competition as a measure of success, and I believed I was capable of uh, of winning that competition. But I lost sight of some some of the the controls of safety net. So actually, in towards the end of that that 2012 year. I'd almost destroyed that value for myself. I I had Mm. turned competition into something that was unhappy and unattractive. And I really felt at that time, you know, I, I didn't want to compete again. Uh, that, that I got to the end of, of that journey for me and that was okay. Mm. And it was only the the following year when I saw some of my friends competing and, and people that I didn't know, um, making it through to the, to the finals and watching their performances that. The more and more I was like, actually this is when you take away some of the ideas of ego and success and you just see what people are doing, it's a really positive thing. It's a fun thing, and it does give you that opportunity to, to learn about coffee and think about coffee in a way that you can't uh, certainly I personally struggle to maintain that focus unless there is a, an end point or a goal at the end. Right. So for me, competition had become this this mechanism for self growth as well as you know whatever results there were and without it I kind of felt a little unmoored from coffee and I felt like I wasn't able to develop or learn as much as I liked so watching those people in 2013 compete and realizing that it was something that was missing from me that year that gave me this long opportunity so over the the next you know, six, nine months before the next UK competition, watching the worlds, beginning to talk to to a coffee producer that I later became really good friends with about what we could do. I actually became really, really excited about what's possible to do on that stage within 15 minutes. And I'm not gonna pretend that every year was a happy result when I didn't achieve as much as I wanted or or get everything Across or the results that I hoped for, but it became a much healthier and happy thing to accept when I didn't win because I felt that I was learning and delivering things that were interesting and worthwhile, regardless.
0: Mm. gotcha you. Yeah, it's <laughs> no, no. That was that was a really great window into, you know, sort of the the years leading up to your your win here, and I think that change of perspective must have greatly influenced this uh this year the year that you that you've won. Uh and I do I do want to ask you before we jump right into the to the championship did you have a driving factor uh for competing this year? Was there anything sort of singular in your mind that you're like I want to communicate this or this is very important to me, thus I must compete. Was there was there anything like that?
1: I think there was more a uh, let's say a personal belief that was it when i when I began the process of competing in the u k this year, I kind of knew that you know there's always a chance you could win, but the the odds are stacked against you. There's definitely going to be other baristas who are more capable and and other things and before I began thinking about that routine or be being able to form it in my head, I didn't know if there was a particular message that I wanted to get across or a particular idea that I wanted to pursue. But what I felt was I still have some good ideas that I could put onto that stage. And I, I still hadn't quite, uh, I'm trying to think of the word and maybe, maybe exercise that demon. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I felt that, even though I had competed a lot, there was still something niggling at me that that I had something to do there. But it very much felt like the last year uh, that I would do this in a very positive way. It was like, you know, I've affected me. because one of the things about competition year after year is you you use up a lot of your friends and your loved ones' time and energy as sure. well as your own. Yeah, and it's a lot. It's a lot easier for you to to account for your own time, but when you start, or, or, or when you are aware of how much other of other people's time you're using, you have to account for that as well, and you have to make the decision: where well, am I? Am I going to drag these other people through it with me? And so part of it was, at least for the national championship, uh, I had been running this uh, pop up shop in central London called Hands, and Pete, who had been my long term. A competition coach, or someone who'd always assisted me through the national competitions, uh, I'd helped him with with other projects before in the past, and we had a really good working relationship. And he was in a place that he was kind of excited to do competition one more time. Hmm. Uh, uh, after he'd, he'd helped some other people at the world the year before, or a couple of years before, and it'd been a really draining experience for him, so he'd stepped away. Um, my my partner Jen had then help me compete the next year and peter comes towards the end of that uh but yeah knowing that i had somebody who was excited to help me with it and just see you know see what we could come up with together that that almost gave me the permission to go okay well i can i can do this selfish thing and i'll chase it for a little while and we'll see we'll see what happens and then we followed it through and yeah and here (laughs) we are (laughs) yeah
0: That completes our first part of our double feature with an interview with the 2017 World Barista Champion, Dale Harris. Remember, you can always reach out to us on our website at thecoffeepodcast.org. Give us some good old feedback there. And you can also find us on Instagram at thecoffeepodcast. If you'd like to sign up for our newsletter on our website, you can go to thecoffeepodcast.org and scroll all the way to the bottom. There's an area there to subscribe. You can get the inside information on different interviews that we're doing and also get sort of a head start on knowing what's going to happen here in the next few months. The Coffee Podcast is produced by me, Jesse Hartman. Music is by Michael Parallax. You can find his music at michaelparallax.com. Thanks for tuning in, and as always, and until next time, happy brewing.